Well, I'm assuming most of you didn't sleep last night, so <laughs> this will be fun. <laughs> I always love this morning because it's like half of you just need to go to sleep probably. <laughs> but I, I hope you do. I hope you stay awake. I hope, I hope you do, and I know it's not easy. I really do. And, uh, but I really believe that as we learned last night, uh, we, we have a, there's a thing going on where it's like all your culture is telling you to do and all the influence that's all around you is saying it's all about you. When all the Bible is saying you is actually the problem here. And it's all about God. It's all about worshiping him. It's all about giving our attention to him, all of our adoration to him, all of our life to him. And so there's a tension, there's a problem that we're living in and that we need to deal with. And so here's what we're gonna do. Uh, we're gonna go to Ephesians 4. We're gonna do 18 through 19. And I'm gonna have you do the same thing as I did last night. Would you just take a time and read those verses to yourself? You can put some notes in your Bible. By the way, did you know that you can write in your Bible? It's so cool. Uh, so mark up your Bible. What are some things that stand out to you? What is the Lord speaking to you right now? Allow the word of God to speak to you. So I'll give you a couple minutes. Just sit with that passage for a couple minutes, and then we'll read it together. Ephesians 4, starting in verse 17. Now I say, now this I say, and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. This is the word of God, and everybody said, amen. amen. We come to this passage, Lord, and this is heavy. This is heavy. God, as we reflect on our own lives, our own hearts, our own impurities, it's heavy. Your word is a double-edged sword. It's cutting us. It's revealing to us those places that are separating us from you keeping you at an arm's distance. Thank you that you've been so faithful to present to us not just the good news, but also the bad news. And so would you teach us this morning as we learn that? In the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit, amen. So I, I told you uh, last night I got married when I was 21. Um, and so I got married when I was 21 and in college. I was a junior in college. Um, I was in a band, and I was all about the band, right? All, anybody in a band? Raise your hand if you're in a band. Yeah, we shred. Okay, so um, I was in a band. I was all about the band, you know, and I thought my wife was going to be all about the band, but she, like, Yoko Ono'd that, right? Like, she, like, you know, I was like, you know, like, come on, babe. How are you not loving this? Like, I get to use, you know, all this and that. Anyway, so um, we're married for probably eight months, nine months, and uh, my wife shows up, and I was recording. We were recording an album. And so my wife shows up to the studio, and, and she's like, uh, hey, why don't you come down? Because you know, back then we had these uh, telephones with wires attached to them as a whole thing. Anyway, um, 
And so I came downstairs and she was in the car and I was like, hey, just give me like five minutes. We're wrapping something up and I'll be right out there. We'll go grab some dinner. She's like, cool. So three hours later, um, I went down and you know, she didn't wait for me. I love that about my wife. She did not wait for me. She was like, peace. And I'm not calling you again. You said five minutes, adios. So I come out and we're downtown Chicago and I'm like, oh, well, what do I do? So I took the L train, the, the train back to our apartment. And I, you know, the whole time I'm like, man, I really screwed up. I shouldn't have done that. Shoot. I can't believe I did that. Ah, you know, but you know, we have, we're recording this great album and it was going so well, but it's, you know, I'll just go and ask her for forgiveness. I'll just say, I'm really sorry. So I get in bed and I'm like, look, I am so sorry. Like I just, I messed up. I screwed up. I am so sorry. And she rolled over and she said, today is my birthday. <laughs> Year one, <laughs> year one, I pulled that card. That's bad. How did that make you feel? Right, that 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 reaction was perfect. Like, no, you idiots, you're such an idiot. How did that happen? What happened? Because I, I, I stood before God and all my friends and family, and I said, I'm committing my life to this woman. Ecclesiastes says, she is my reward for the toil in this world. Scriptures would say that we are one, unless it has to do with the band, right? Because I got the band and I got to do a thing and, and it's so important and how quickly, how quickly we run away from the thing that we are called and commissioned to be, to go after a, another thing, another love that comes into conflict with the one true love. I want you to know this. Sin is fun. Otherwise, nobody would do it. I know, right? And first off, I want to say this. I'm really sorry that we don't talk to you about sin. Sin does not sell. Doesn't make kids feel good and want to show up to youth ministries or, or, or adults to churches. We don't want to feel bad. We want everybody to give us this puppy dog presentation. And so we don't talk about sin. And I'm sorry that we failed you in this. Me. I was a youth pastor for 15 years. And I, I can very, very rarely remember the time we talked about sin. Because sin wasn't attractional. They didn't get people to show up and fill the pews, right? Didn't do it. But I'm here to preach to you about sin this morning. And I want you to know that sin is fun. What we would tell people is, if you sin, it'll ruin your life. Well, actually, I know a lot of people who sin and they have a great life. They have a great life. Sin is fun. Sin is super fun. If it wasn't fun, nobody would do it. It would be easy, right? We'd just be like, I'm not going to do that. That's not fun. But sin is super fun. And sin is all around us. Sin is distracting. It's trying to pull you away from what's true, what's whole, what'll bring you life. It's distracting you all the time. And I know you keep hearing this about algorithms and pumping you, but I'm just telling you it's sinful because it's distracting you. It's not moving you towards the heart of God. It's continually telling you you're not enough, and in order to be enough, you gotta click on this, or view this, or be a part of this, or be an influencer. What a joke. What a joke. 
That that is what people are trying to go after. All you're really saying is, I want to be seen by everybody else but not God. And I am trying to convince you sin is fun and sin is distracting. It is calling you away from your first love. It is calling you away from who you've been called to be. And ultimately, at the end of the day, sin is death. I want you to hear this very clearly. Please hear me. Satan wants you dead, embarrassed, humiliated. He wants that so desperately from you. He is here to rob you. He is a thief, a lion crouching to crush you. He wants you dead. And sin is the way in which he uses our very human nature, birthed in us through Adam and Eve, this moment that we keep coming back to where God's like, I want to give you life, but you have a choice. Choose today who you will serve. And Eve goes, I want fun, and I actually want to be God. Sin fractures, crushes divides, and this is what he wants to do and is doing in our lives. Now you get the intensity of why Paul is saying what he's saying. You get it, right? Because Paul's like a father. He's a pastor to this, this people. He's spiritually fathering them. He's like, get out of the road. You know, as parents, our job is to protect our kids, to keep them safe, And you tell your kids, don't run in traffic. If you run in traffic, you'll what? You'll die. You'll get hit and injured. And Paul, the spiritual father, is like, don't run towards cars. Get out of the road. He's saying to this beautiful church that he loves, he's sitting in prison, knowing full well that he is the chief of all sinners. That's what he says. Paul says this. I'm the chief of all sinners. I'm the worst of the worst. But I have found the truth, and the truth is going to set you free, Jesus says. But these people keep running to be like the Gentiles, the fertility of life. And, And so Paul's like trying to go, please don't get out of the road. Sin is trying to destroy you and crush you, and that's why he says in verse 18 and 19, they are darkened in their understanding alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of heart. They have been callous. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. My mom, I love my mom so much. She's awesome. How many of you just like, my mom's like, ah, like, right? Mom, like, killer, right? My mom's awesome. She's like a mom's mom. I remember when I was a kid, she would like, like literally at the bus stop, she would like meet me down there and bring me chocolate chip cookies as we walked up to the house, right? Like that's hardcore momming, right? And my mom did that. So I love my mom. At 12, my mom had an affair on my dad. Christian family, grew up Christian my whole life. You had an affair on my dad with my, one of our close family friends. And she tells this story about Driving down a highway, they've been already having an affair, and and driving past the billboard, and the billboard said, where's your family? Something to that effect. 
And my mom said, I looked at that sign and I knew it was true and I just went right past it. <sighs> Darkened in her mind, in her understanding. That's what sin does. It darkens us to the truth that God has given to you. It's darkening your minds. And you keep running down this road hoping for a different outcome and it's killing you. She talks about it being just, I was blinded. Blinded by my sin. Blinded. Romans 1, uh, 21 says this, for although they knew God, it's not a matter of you don't know God. For they for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God to give thanks to him, but they became, there it is again, futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. That's what sin does. Darkened. Claiming to be wise. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. Listen to this. And exchanged the glory. I want you to see that language. Exchanged. Exchange the glory of the immortal God for the images resembling mortal man and the birds and the animals and the creeping things. Therefore, this is one of the most terrifying passages in scripture, I think. Therefore, what does God do? Does he run in and rescue? Does he kick down the door and say, cut it out, I'm coming in? No, no, no. He gave them up to the lusts of their hearts to impurity to dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and they worshiped and served the creature rather, rather than the creator who is blessed. Here's what we keep thinking. That God's gonna kick down the door and Revelation says this, no, he knocks at the door. He's not some CIA operative. He's like, if you want sin, here you go. If you want me and you want to worship me, I am here always, even to the ends of the age. Choose today who you will serve. And what he's saying here, what Paul is saying here to this church is going, they chose wrong. And God let them choose wrong. They wanted sin. They wanted to be futile. They wanted to be darkened. They wanted to watch pornography over and over and over in hopes to fulfill some thing inside of them. They wanted to, ladies wanted to present themselves in hopes of getting some type of response. They're posting about themselves in hopes that somebody will just validate them these two things are colliding and crushing you, and your culture just says, keep flipping on that algorithm. I, I am not a fool. I cannot begin to understand the pressures that you wear. I didn't have the level of visual stimuli that you have in your life. I, I didn't, I can't even begin to understand how difficult that is for you. I really can't. The pressure on you ladies, I cannot begin, I have a 12-year-old daughter, I cannot begin to understand the pressure that you feel to perform. To feel, to live into this objectification and hope for validation. I am, I'm weighty with that and I just want you to know that's, it's sinful you're using one another. And this passage says, if they're darkened in their thinking, 
Ever got done scrolling, fellas? Looked at stuff you shouldn't be looking at, and you go, why did I do that? Darkened in your thinking. Sinful, destruction. Ladies, you ever post something and go, I shouldn't have done that, but look at all the likes I got. Look at all the comments I got. And that made me feel good. I just got a little dopamine hit, and I feel way better about myself. And then I just feel sad again. I hang out with that friend group. Or do this. Or do, I mean, I could just run through the list. And, and, but, but listen, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm a dad. I'm not stupid. I know it's hard. I know a lot of you are hiding some deep, deep, dark, sinful things. And I just want you to know Satan loves it. Just, he just, this is what God's going. Choose what you want to do. You want to keep running down that. I'm going to give you a free will to go choose sin. But it's going to destroy you. It's going to destroy you. And then Paul, he, he kind of moves on to say, listen, yes, it's about darkened mind, but the core, the core problem, the core struggle is this, is that they become hardened and calloused in their heart. This is the crux of the real problem. They become hardened in their heart. So my mom, darkened in her thinking, continuing to run after this other love, breaking the covenant that she has, not only with my father, but with God, has an affair with this man, and then divorces my father. I come home from school one day. I want you to, show, I want you to see how this kind of progresses. Some of you feel and know this. A woman who faithfully had preached the word of God, a woman who faithfully mothered, led Bible studies, was a worship leader, I come home one day from school, the same mom that used to pick me up on the corner, I'm now walking home all by myself, no cookies. Um, and I show up at home, and I go in my parents' room, and all my mom's stuff is gone, and I don't even get a goodbye. I lived in Ohio, and she moved to North Carolina with that man. She just left. She just left. How? How does that happen? Some of you know that pain, I'm so sorry. Some of you know that pain. I'm so sorry. It's sin. That's what sin loves to do. Crushes homes, crushes people, divides and destroys. And that's why you have to be aware. That's why Paul is going, please be aware of what a calloused, hardened heart does. William Barclay, speaking of the Greek of the word porous, means this. It means the loss of all power of sensation. Described as something which had become so hardened so petrified that it had no power to feel at all. That's why a mother leaves her children. Hardened heart, sinful, moving past the passions of her heart. I work for an organization called, or I, I, I was on the chairman of the board for an organization called Harvest India, amazing organization, works in India. India is like a second home to me. I love India. And during the pandemic, India shut down. Tragic, horrible. If you watch the news, just people dying. And so we were on a Zoom call praying for Suresh, who's on the ground with his team. And he just starts wailing and weeping. He's we like crying on this call. And he says this he goes, 800 people an hour are dying in my country. God is coming up against my country because of their sin. 
He's broken apart because they're a polytheistic society who has abandoned themselves to every form of God. And sin destroys. Sin crushes. And I want to tell you this. God will not be mocked, it says in Scripture. He is both loving, but he is just. And he says, choose today whom you will serve. The passions of your heart or the King of kings and the Lord of lords. But some of you, like Pharaoh, have become hardened in your heart. Not even darkened, you're just calloused. And you do callous things. Lying has become a second nature to you. You lie to everybody. You hide from everybody. You get to church and you're a church kid. Let's have fun. You get to school and you're a school kid. You go in those with that social group, you could become that person. You get into chat rooms and you become that person. You don't even know who you are anymore. You are hardened because of sin. And Paul's like, don't do it. Don't go there. Because the byproduct of a calloused, hardened heart is sensuality. It's full abandonment. Complete and utter full abandonment. It is this. The bad man usually tries to hide his sin. But the man who is sensual, woman who is sensual in his soul, listen to this, does not care how much he shocks public opinion, so long as he can gratify his or her desires. You know that thing inside of you that says, no, but you need to be happy. You won't be happy unless you do this. So you look at this or click on this. Like in your happiness is the objective of your life and it's crushing you. You've abandoned yourself because you've hardened your heart against God. He says like this, sin can get such a grip of a man that he is lost that he is lost to decency and shame. No longer do I even feel ashamed. I actually feel entitled to that way of living. And then I justify it by going, I'm just like everybody else. See, so-and-so did it, and so-and-so do it, and everybody does it. That's just a clear indication that you've abandoned yourself to sin. Stop, please stop. Ephesians 2, 1 through 3 says this, and you were dead in your trespasses in sin, all of us, in which you were once walking, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now in the work of the sons of disobedience, Satan, among whom we all once lived in the passion of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and mind, and we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Just complete abandonment to do whatever you feel. Your truth, your reality. I'm gonna be me and do me and nobody better hold me down. And if you do, you're judgmental. Don't you dare. So how, how will we approach a God who is holy, holy, holy with that way of living? Paul's like, it won't happen. It won't happen. And here's what I wanna tell you. I am here this morning to bring you bad news. And the bad news is this. Sin is bad. And you are all sinful. We are all sinful. And here's the other hard part. And you can't earn your way into heaven. You can't do enough good to make up for it. 
There is no balance. Isaiah goes like this. He says this, all of your good deeds are as filthy rags before a holy God. So what do you have to offer? You can't make up. Sin is crushing and destroying. In fact, have you ever thought about Noah? And I know people don't like thinking about Noah. Let's just, yeah, let's get to the, the flood and the rescuing of the animals. And here's what I want to tell you. Billions of people and animals died because of sin. 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 About four and a half years ago, I need to go to a doctor's appointment. And uh, I hadn't been to the doctor in 10 years. Because here's the thing. I just don't like going to the doctor's office. And it's not even that I don't like doctors. Right? How many of you just like, don't like going to the hospital? Don't go to the, right? it's not, like, For me, it's, like, it's more about like, I feel great. And I, oh, you only go to the doctor if something's fallen off. Which, which pretty much has been the story of my life. Right? So I hadn't been to the doctor for 10 years because I'm like, it's just stupid. Right? So I'm that guy. Right? But I'm in my 40s. And so it's like, this is the point in your life where you're like, okay, like, take care of yourself and all that kind of stuff. My counselor's like, you need to do a better job of caring for yourself. So I'm like, okay. So I'll go to the doctor's appointment. So I go to the doctor's appointment. And I walk in, and they do all, you know, EKG, and they take blood work, and they do all that kind of stuff, right? And so they're running all that thing. And um, she said, hey, we're going to take them blood work. If anything goes on, we'll just, we'll call you back. And so uh, she calls me back. She's like, actually, we found something. Okay, she said, I'm going to use a word, uh, but it might be scary. And she said, we think it could be cancer. Okay. So schedule an appointment with an oncologist, a cancer doctor, blood doctor. So we go into the doctor's office, my wife and I, we go into the doctor's office, and we sit with the doctor, and he goes, okay, so you have cancer, um, but let me ask you a question. How long have you been anxious? And I'm like, not a day in my life. Not a day in my life. How many of you wake up in the morning going, it's morning! This is going to be the best thing in the whole world. How many of you are like so excited to wake up? Anybody? Anybody morning person? You wake up and you're happy and chipper and ready. How many of you are like, morning is the worst. I wish it would go away, right? Um, I love the morning, right? I'm like lollipops and sunflowers, right? I'm like living life. I'm a happy guy. Like I've lived my life this way. And so he's like, he's like, no, how long have you been anxious? Literally, for me, that was the most confusing thing I'd ever heard. I'm like, never. I'm like, if a a house is on fire and there's a bunch of kids in there, you want me. You want to send me in because I'm like, I'm not going to get hurt and I'm going to save those people. I'm like, chill in stress, right? You want me in that situation. So I'm like, okay, no, I've never been anxious. He goes, it's interesting. He goes, your particular cancers is, is as a result of high levels of anxiety over a lifetime. And here's when he says, you've been anxious for a very, very, very long time. And your body just said, no more. Confusing, right? How is it that I don't feel it, but I have it? I think sin kind of works the same way. You got cancer, and you didn't even know it. You're anxious, and you didn't even know it. Because you've been darkened in your mind, calloused in your heart, and now you're just living life and doing things like everything's normal when finally you come to realize something's not right. 
Something's not right, which is why Paul in Romans 6 says this, for the wages of sin is death. It's death. Sin always leads to death. And sin demands a death in order for there to be life. And honestly, I could just leave it there, and Paul could have just left it there, but he adds a conjunction. Do you know what a conjunction is? A conjunction is bridging two thoughts. So the bad news is this. Let's go look to Good Friday. I realized I didn't like Good Friday for most of my life. I grew up in the church my whole life. And I realized, like, I just wanted to get through Good Friday. Anybody feel that way? Get me to Easter because I don't want to deal with Friday. I don't want to deal with death. I don't want to deal with sin and depravity. Just get me to the good stuff. But you can't appreciate the good stuff if you can't deal with the bad stuff. And the bad stuff is this. The wages of sin demands death. But, but, hope is on the way. So I'd ask you this. Do you want to continue to be darkened in your mind? Calloused in your heart? Moving towards death and decay? In which the Lord is saying, if you want that, you can have it. You can choose that. I give you free will to choose sin. And you and I will continue to do that. If we don't go, wait, but maybe there's a different way. Maybe I don't want to live this way. Maybe I want to start living different. And then that conjunction will come in and it'll start speaking hope into your life. But you got to deal with what's going on in your life. Do you understand? The wages of sin is death. Separation from a holy, holy, holy God. And I'm excited tonight to help you understand what happens after that conjunction. I'm really excited. But this morning what I want you to do is I want you to deal with the first part of the conjunction, before the conjunction. Death, decay, callousness, hopelessness. And what do you wanna do? What is the Spirit of God speaking to you right now? Father God, thank you that you are awakening us to sin. <laughs> Please forgive me for the years I was too cowardly to talk about it. Please forgive me. Please forgive me that I wanted to give this candy cane Christianity to kids. I just wanted to give them the feel-good stuff. And as a result of that, their faith was an inch deep. They wanted all your goodness without real death in their life, crucifixion in their own life. So, Father, we preach this bad news today believing in faith that your spirit is working in the hearts that may feel really discouraged right now, really confused right now, really heavy right now. 
A lot of these kids have been running from that heaviness their whole lives. Father, through your spirit, would you speak to them? Would you prepare them for the good news that you're going to bring to them in yourself? We love you and we thank you and we bless you in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit. Amen.